Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Excited for today's episode with Dr. Rachel Reinhardt Taylor. This episode is coming off of the backside of me listening to her as a guest on a fellow podcaster show called The Mental Illness Happy Hour with Paul Gilmartin. Um, that is singularly my favorite podcast in the mental health space. If you've never heard of it, I highly recommend that you go check them out. Um, and so I, I have. I asked Rachel to come on the podcast to have a conversation about a few things. One is the fact that she's a doctor who's overcome some tremendous trauma Two, looking at the science on um, the research behind what happens to the body in a 
in a literal way, in a literal sense of a shift in the DNA from CPTSD and PTSD and traumatic experiences, um, but also to talk about navigating religious trauma and what it's like to come through the other side of that, to recognize who you are, to build your identity, to ultimately learn to do the hardest thing that we ever do to, to love ourselves. And this conversation, I want to preface this. I'm going to tell you this. It's really important. We are not going to rain down on religion. That is not what we're talking about here, but we are talking about the negative impact and ramifications of religious trauma. As many of you know, I grew up Mormon. She did as well. And so we have a back and a forth here to an extent. I, I've never really gone in depth about the religious trauma that I've had um, on the podcast. And that's not what's happening here. But instead, just like anything, we're trying to identify how we got to where we are so we can get to where we want to go. So Dr. Taylor came on and helped have this really fascinating conversation with me. I'm very excited to share it with you today. And without any further ado, my friends, Dr. Rachel Reinhardt Taylor. What's up, Unbroken Nation? Hello, my friends. I'm Michael Unbroken, host of the Think Unbroken podcast and founder of thinkunbroken.com. And I'm honored to be your trauma coach and mentor because I believe that everyone is capable of getting unstuck, cultivating self-love, and becoming the hero of their own story. I believe that when implemented correctly, the practical tools and education you will receive from this show will help you lead an unbroken and extraordinary life. I believe that no matter what we come from, that we all have the ability to choose ourselves first, to create and manifest a powerful and grace-filled future, and love the reflection in the mirror. I believe that every day is a day to grow, learn, heal, and change. That's why I started my company, thinkunbroken.com, which is an online training and healing and personal growth platform where you get everything that I know about how to get motivated, be accountable, get out of the vortex, and become the hero of your own story through community, connection, and commitment. For more information, visit thinkunbroken.com. Please listen closely as you may learn just one thing that will help you be unbroken. And please share this episode with at least three of your friends because we all need community and connection in our healing journey. And be sure to DM me and tag me on Instagram at michaelunbroken so that I can say hi. I just want to thank you again for being a part of this, for listening and being a member of the Unbroken Nation. Now, let's get into today's show and make the world unbroken. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. Super excited to be back with you. Another episode with Dr. Rachel Reinhardt Taylor. Rachel, my friend, how are you today? What is going on in your world? Ah, oh, I'm good. There's a lot going on in my world. Um, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about all of it in the podcast, so. I'm yeah, I'm super excited to have you here. Um, so for context, I, I asked you to come and be on the show because I was listening to you on a mutual friends podcast, um, Mental Illness Happy Hour with Paul Gil Martin. And I heard your story and I was like, oh, I've got to have this human being on. Amazing story. Um, before we kind of jump in and we have the back and forth, just high level, can you kind of tell a little, little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, so um, I'll start with my professional training. So I have a medical degree in MD from the University of Utah, where I um, graduated. I started my training in surgery, but um, because I was a single mom during medical school, I decided surgery was going to be tough. I want to spend time with my daughter. I, I switched to family medicine and then did um, rural emergency medicine for a couple of years. And now I do. Um, I did some front lines work. And during the pandemic, and now I'm full-time telemedicine from home. So, and I'm board certified in family medicine. And, um, you know, the, the other aspects are, I'm very, very interested in, in optimizing people's bodies without um, medications and supplements and things like that. Although I'm not opposed to them, I'm just very interested in, in um, how powerful are we in healing our own bodies and and optimizing without before we use other things. Yeah, that's really powerful. And I think that one of the things that that really dawned on me and hearing you on on Paul's 
podcast, why I wanted to come over and have this conversation with you is because, you know, you look at your life and your trajectory of many of the things that have happened and that you've gone through and for you to come out the other side, I don't want to say seemingly okay. I think that's like dismissive at times, but <laughs> to really be in this place where you've taken control over your life and you've, you've made it an effort to create energy around the impact of changing other people's lives. And I recognize that in myself. And part of it is our, our backgrounds very similar. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the ACE survey or not, Adverse Childhood Experiences Survey, but um, it, was, it was done in the, the mid 90s and it kind of became this indicative um, factoring for determining long-term detrimental outcomes for people who suffered childhood trauma. Um, it's a series of 10 questions. I answered yes to all 10 of those questions. Um, and I, I looked at kind of the thing that you were talking about in your experience of the childhood trauma experiences that you had being misdiagnosed with bipolar, going through all of these things and yet still coming out the other side. And so what I'm really curious, what I'd love to dive in and, and talk about here to begin with is kind of how in this journey have you been able to be not only so resilient, but to push yourself forward in a way where I think what happens, and this was my experience, we kind of, without asking for help, get really, really stuck. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. I think there's absolutely, you know, I think we do really in the childhood trauma, I did read your story online and, um, you know, I think that, well, one of, one of the first things I have to say is one of the things that I think is really creating a lot of divide and a lot of difficulty with asking for help when we're stuck is that we try to talk about differences. So, you know, I was going to say, wow, your childhood trauma was like way worse or whatever than mine. But reality is that we all are dying for connection and connection is so important for our healing and moving forward and asking for help. But we um, like to think, well, it's not as bad or, um, you know, it, it could have been worse or whatever and really dismiss ourselves and therefore created a divide. Like, this is how mine was different from yours. Instead of saying, you know, I, I know how that feels. I think that, you know, when we're focused more on the very physical aspect, well, I didn't have my finger cut off or I didn't have, you know, or I did have this with you, but. I had it in a different way or I'm a female and you're a male and, and you, you know, I think that we really, um, you know, take away that ability to say, yeah, but we both know how it feels to feel like no one cares. We both know how it feels to say, I'm not going to ask for help because every time I ask for help, it things get more difficult or, you know, I think that we both, and I think most of the population has, you know, the experience of saying I need help to someone who is not, good or healthy for us and they use i like the phrase there was a, a phrase i heard where he said when you ask for help or when you're vulnerable with somebody you hand them a loaded weapon the like gold gun basically metaphorically i hope not literally um and they can either shoot you with it or use it to protect you i think that as a con like a shared human experience we have all experienced a certain amount of people who use it to shoot us you know, but the same in the same day, and I think you know, as children, you would hope you'd be protected, and and I think that really has created a lot of of difficulty in asking for help. But you know, I think most of my life, up until more recently, actually, um, when I started like slowing down, I didn't think anyone would help me, and that is how I decided I need to both help myself and help everybody else. And, you know, I mean, we have shared experiences in, in using, um, you know, uh, using different substances to try to numb away. Um, I think that I think that we do that even sometimes with Western medicine. We're so afraid to feel the feelings that we numb it away, um, even by over medicating sometimes. And I, you know, I, I think that also we have a great emphasis in, like, in our society in general on PTSD post-traumatic stress disorder but there is an alternative called post-traumatic growth and the post-traumatic growth is kind of you, you can kind of it's, it's something you can choose you can say wow this is really awful this is hard i got through it and now i'm going to use this experience to show other people and to inspire and to make things better for them 
Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, I found that in my experience that I fell into that accidentally. I mean, there is no way where I look at my life and go, this was my trajectory. You know, I, as a kid, the only thing I ever wanted to do was not die. Right. Um, that, that was it. That was my whole goal. That was my whole mission, make it to 18. And then I don't really know what's going to happen. And then, so it put me on this crazy trajectory where by my mid twenties, my life was fully enveloped in chaos. And then I started going down this path of trying to take care of myself, trying to be better, trying to do all the things. And by by proxy, by accident, by divine intervention, whatever that means, you know, I I've somehow fell in this place of being of service. And I think that's all in part of the the growth that came in that because I looked at it and I said, well, shit, if I can make it through this, then then there's got to be a way for other people to. You know, one of the things that that we have in common is that we both grew up Mormon. And in our experiences, while very different, still have um, a lot of very similar parallels. Not only that, but um, and it depends on how deep you want to go and how how far you choose to take this conversation. You know, looking at the a very interesting parallel around abuse and around trying to really go for these things in life that aren't necessarily the most healthy and coming out the other side. What I'm curious about, because and this isn't to make a point to go like beat up religion or anything like that. But what is, I know that there are other people listening to this right now who have had religious trauma. And I know that's something that's very new society. And I know that somebody's going to email me and be like, go fuck yourself. How dare you talk about religion? And I'm okay with that. So I, I, I step into that willingly. What I'm curious about is, can you talk about your experience in, in growing up religious and then the pivot from moving into where you are in life now and how that's played a role in your journey? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it's I think it's funny and maybe someone will email me and tell me to go fuck myself, too, uh, based on this religious discussion. But, um, you know, so when I was I'm just going to say. I think that religion originally had the right idea. Like the original principles are like, we're supposed to love other people and we're supposed to, um, you know, be kind to our neighbors and we're supposed to, um, you know, do kind things and acts of service and blah, blah, blah. And then I think that human beings get a hold of those principles and then they make them very much about control and, um, you know, keeping someone else out or saying you can marry someone, but only if they're the same religion as you. And um, I actually remember, you know, when I, I was on one of the reservations, I, I was very, very, very interested in learning from the medicine men if they would teach me. Um, and I did learn there was one that was talking about it. And, you know, he was saying, you know, <laughs> he says the white man um, and then eventually said, you know, there are some people, some populations that take these like beautiful things and they like pervert them and make them into um, something now that is used to flog and guilt and to say, I look better than this person or I'm, I'm worse or better than this person. And what I have come to find is that if you ever get, you know, in this place where you're just trying to look better than everyone else, you're isolating. And not only that, a lot of times you're starting to kind of hide um like in my experience you know we were hiding the angry outbursts and trying to pretend that everything was fine in the family and we never talked about it because it was fine we just needed to pray more or you know be go to church more and my mom needed to be more subservient to my stepdad and you know it just it really i think creates this environment of if you aren't like the Joneses, then something's wrong with you. And it's if it's religion, you're not doing enough religion, basically. But, you know, I've done, so I, I grew up Mormon, as you mentioned. And when I was 13, that only took me 13 years to figure it out. I was watching this guy talk and he was like, I loved my friends so much. I wanted to share the, the church is what they call it, you know, their birth the Mormon church with him. And I thought to myself, mm, don't we say that God just like loves everybody, no matter who they are. And if that's so, then why does it matter what religion people, people are? It, I think that it really is very um, individual based on how you want to go about becoming the best version of yourself. So 
you know, I practiced um, a type of Buddhism called Nichiren Buddhism uh, for a few years when I was in residency. And that was also beautiful based on um, everyone being equal. But there was still that aspect of, but you get extra blessings if you convert people. So, um, and then I always said, even if you say I'm Mormon or I'm Christian or whatever, there's always an aspect that you are kind of tinkering with like the rules on your own. No one's really any one religion. There's always some sort of customizing to it. So why are we like, why are we trying to pretend like we're something perfectly when what happens is we're trying to suppress so badly what we perceive as our flaws. And then those flaws get bigger and bigger and bigger because we're trying to hide them. And then we take them out on our kids or our neighbors, or we hate groups of people that don't deserve to be hated. You know, so not that any group of people deserves to be hated, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, and I, I think that a big part of it is when, and, and my experience with it growing up was kind of at church, you're one person and then at home, you're a different person. And I, I found that to hold true for a lot of people who've had um, drastic religious trauma, whereas, you know, at, at church, everyone's buttoned up and clean cut and good to go. But at home, you're getting beat and locked in closets and molested and, you know, who knows what's happening. And that was very much my experience. And coming through it, I, I remember one day I was sitting there and the the bishop, who is like, if you don't know this, the leader um, of a specific church was was talking. And I just had this really interesting moment of insight. And I was like, wait a second. I bet that dude like beats his kids. And that was the moment for me. And I'm not saying he did or didn't. And I certainly don't want to be dismissive of that. But, you know, I, I was like, wait a second. That to me feels like a really interesting misnomer that's not being addressed here because it's like follow the Ten Commandments, be honest, be kind, be all these things, um, except when you're everywhere else but church. And, and that pushed me into this place of wanting to kind of go into what's next. When you're having this experience and 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 having it at a younger age than most, right? Um, and and I think that there are people listening who may be having that experience right now. How did you start to navigate that? Like, what was it that became, you know, because it's such a part of identity, right? I, I think that's where I'm going with this. It's such a part of who you are. If you're Mormon, people often go, oh, "I'm no, I'm Mormon." By the way, I'm also Michael, right? You know, it's always like a precursor to everything. So, yeah. in that, for you, like, how did you start to navigate the the shift? That's an interesting. I really like this question. I haven't really. So. You know, my mom would get pretty mad at us. I don't know if you did early morning seminary, but we did it where we were supposed to go to church classes every morning from like 5 to 6 a.m. before high school. Um, and I kind of just started ditching it and things like that. And um, I think really I kind of held on. So I ended up skipping two grades. And I think my you know, my, my passion or my push to be uh, kind of done with school, I think was in part because I wanted to be out of the house I was in. If you need help with pain or anxiety, let me tell you about one of my favorite tools. It's NW Recovery CBD Oil. You may know that, and I've mentioned this before, I have chronic pain and massive anxiety, and CBD oil has been such a profound tool in my journey. Recently, NW Recovery came out with their key lime-flavored CBD oil that is non-psychotropic. It is non-psychoactive. And for a person like me who has a panic attack, if I touch THC, this is the perfect combination of delicious key lime and CBD, something I literally do not leave home without. For more information, you can go to nw-recovery.com and use the keyword unbroken to save 20% on your first order. Again, go to nw-recovery.com, keyword unbroken, and have CBD change your life. So I kind of just held on because I started college when I was 16. Um, and then when I'm actually moved to Utah, where my dad lived from California and, um, actually in Utah, I kind of liked being that, and I think this is maybe because I was still a teenager. I liked being that rebellious, um, I'm not Mormon, whatever. And in Utah, they call them, they call us Jack Mormons. I don't know if you've heard that before, 
but um I kind of liked that. I liked the rebellion of it all. It was a little difficult with my family. Um, I did come back and end up marrying a Mormon guy when I was 19. A lot of it, in a sense, to please my family and then realize, oh, my God, my family doesn't even give a shit. Like, this hasn't gained, like, unending approval from my parents. Why did I do this? Um, so, you know, I, I don't think, I think it really is, um, it really is, and I'm finding this in my life, it really was kind of just saying, this is who I am. This is just it. That You know, like, you can hate me. You cannot like me. But the only person I'm not going to betray now is myself. I'm not going to, and just like you were talking about, you know, I'm not going to um, pretend to be happy in one place and then go home and have my parents scream at me or, you know, you know, I was sexually assaulted when I was young. I'm not going to pretend like that didn't happen. I, it goes back again to that, you know, the more we're pretending, the more walls we're up, the more we're being divided from everyone else. And I've actually, you know, had a lot of friends that were Mormon and then decided, you know, it kind of felt the same. It felt very oppressive. Um, I think especially for women. And now that women are like, oh, we don't have to, I think one of the words, is, you know, one of the phrases they use is like, serve your man or be, oh, I don't remember, the man is supposed to be like a beacon in the home and you're supposed to serve him. And, you know, I'm, this is all, I'm a doctor now, you know, like, <laughs> I don't need someone to, to, to serve. I want to, you know, I, and I think that for me, it mostly was women who I really encouraged and talked to in any religion and just said, well, I mean, does following these rules feel right to you? And no? Okay. Why are we following these rules? And, and again, I think that when we're dividing what we look like, you know, at church versus, you know, at home or at school versus whatever, every time you do that, you're really just, you're dividing yourself. You're losing your power. You're trying to become something you're not. And that, I mean, this might sound really, you know, kind of ridiculous, but everyone has a very unique and talented personality and gifts that we all need. So the more you spend trying to be like Joe, or the more I, the more I try to be like Michael, there's less Rachel in the world. Like, you know, and that really comes with, I wouldn't say like, self-love I think self-love is the grand thing you know people are trying to accomplish but this comes with this little choosing yourself choosing yourself every day when I'm tired when I'm super exhausted and I don't want to go out and meet people or whatever I just don't I mean I'm not perfect about it but it's it's really just deciding I'm not gonna be someone else for someone else to be feel comfortable I'm gonna and it even goes to talking about things like sexual assault and rape and being you know abused in the household and all of these things the the more afraid we are to talk about it especially with me as being a doctor if I'm afraid to ask someone if they've been sexually assaulted like patients know there are several mechanisms by which people pick up how you're actually feeling and we're I mean we can discuss the science about ad nauseum and really, this is like, if I'm sending signals to someone that it's not okay to talk about this, or it's not okay to be a certain way, if, if I'm uncomfortable with myself, then this person sees this is not okay, and this is not a safe place. And and I think, you know, both of us are really, um, I don't know you super well, Michael, but from what I've seen, we both really want to be a safe place for people. So, so I really think the navigating, it starts with, with little, just little, like, okay, um, I'm going to choose, like, I'm going to, I'm going to decide that I don't believe that I should, you know, pray 300 times a day or whatever, you know, I'm going to choose that little choice. I don't think that's something I have to do for my own spiritual connection. So I think it's just this little, it's little by little. I think, you know, especially me lately. For several reasons, I've been very impatient, you know, with wanting things to come to fruition and just be this magical thing and, and easy. And it's just, it's just you choosing little pieces.
Yeah, that that's very beautifully said, and and I'm in agreement with you. And I think so much of it, and and I, this applies, in my opinion, to everything in your life, is to follow your instincts, follow your gut, trust it, do the things you want to do, and don't do the things you don't want to do. And and one of the most difficult aspects of that, and I think that's where you really start to understand who you are is in that scope of the space of being who you are. And that's what's really difficult about it is until you get to that place, you don't know that it's possible. But the only way that you can get there is you do the little things day in and day out. And sometimes that means not going to to seminary at five o'clock in the morning. And sometimes that means, you know, I grew up a Mormon Boy Scout. That meant not going to Boy Scouts, you know, all of these things. And and that doesn't apply only to religion. And I, I know somebody's going to sit here and listen and be like, you guys are beating up on religion. That's not what we're doing. But we're talking about choices. We're talking about decisions. We're talking about what it means to really take ownership of your life. I, I think it would be missed to not talk about this idea that PTSD or CPTSD, when we start to have these traumatic experiences in childhood, start to impact our DNA. And I know that you know about this and I want to dive into this because I want to also create some very practical conversation here for people listening around the education and the science of this. Um, Can you talk about the methylation process of DNA in consideration of PTSD and how that's passed down generation to generation. And for people who just got super lost, please, I know Rachel's going to explain that in depth. So hang with us here. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm such a nerd about science. So everyone get ready to see like ultimate nerd over here. Um, Okay. So one thing that is really kind of amazing that has been now proven, especially in veterans, which, um, Sadly, is, a, is an easy group to study in the sense that you can take um, blood samples before war and after war and see how their DNA has changed, if at all. Um, because uh, unfortunately, uh, we know that war is kind of a tried and true place where people come back with um, PTSD. So there's been a lot of studies, um, you know, verifying that they have what's called methylation of DNA. Like you mentioned, this is just a carbon group, a simple carbon group that is, um, or a methyl group is what it's called. That's, you know, then put onto the DNA. Depends on where it's put on the DNA, how it, what it will create or not create basically. So, you know, this is, this is what I really love to talk about is you know, people think that the, I, I know we might get this later, but the mind body, there's a, there's a strong connection. I say strong connection. I even say the same thing. When you're seeing something traumatic, witnessing something traumatic, that creates that PTSD, which then in your body creates a change in your DNA. It's not just, oh, and I get a lot of this, you know, I'm not just, you're not just like some weakling who can't pull out of it. Like your DNA is literally changed. Your body is changed. Um, they've done a lot of looking for uh, different medicines. There's different IV infusions and stuff trying to reverse this methylation of the DNA. And, and so far, I don't know of anything that actually can successfully do that. However, there are some amazing studies on mice that are showing early promise. They say, um, you know, they, these mice have the methylation of DNA or a DNA change. It was called a DNA change. And they have what's called a, quote, carefree adult life. And um, it starts to reverse this methylation. And, you know, I do talk about this in my book. Like, okay, we all kind of laugh. Like, yeah, I'm never going to have a carefree adult life. Um, But really what it is 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 kind of that change. Like, okay, I may not be able to help that I'm getting divorced, for example. But I can reframe it as a detour. I can teach myself how to believe that even these bad things I I mentioned before we started recording, you know, I had a small stroke in February um, for various reasons, but I have to reframe. I mean, it was really, really hard. I had to believe that this was, there was a reason I had to take this detour because for some reason it's going to end up, you know, making me stronger or better to do X, Y, and Z. So the whole, you know, the whole idea is that that DNA change is is early, it's early um, in research, but it's possible that it starts reversing itself if we can 
kind of reframe, kind of find ways to roll with the punches more so versus saying my life is horrible, this is happening. We need to really, um, you know, that's the kind of thing I love teaching people. And then as far as transgenerational, you know, they're finding a lot of um, the same DNA changes uh, in parents and children. And um, a more recent study showed I believe up to seven generations as they're finding that DNA change. So, you know, then you can, you know, put this out into bigger populations. You know, if, if you know, I, I think that we think, well, if a mom is raped, then their child's more likely to be raped. And that, that's true. But um, even if that doesn't happen to their child, they may carry that same kind of, DNA change, which may translate to the same fears and the same PTSD without experiencing that. And and if you think back to why maybe this would be good evolutionarily, you know, you can imagine if you are, you know, on the plains and you see a tiger eat a man, you know that your DNA changes watch out for tigers. But it's become, I think, very haywire in the in um in the society in which we live now. And, you know, there are ways to reverse this um, that we're working on. And and I have successfully, I mean, I have not changed, like looked at the DNA, but I've successfully um, helped people understand, people that don't, don't want to talk about their problems. Um, you know, I've helped them understand that their body is making that change. And, and it's not just, in their head, something they're going to work out is something that needs, like, we need to take some active, an active approach to creating this environment that does feel more carefree for you. Um, because life's going to, life's going to life. It's just going to happen either way. So we got to find ways that feel more carefree. And, and we can hopefully, and, and that DNA, by the way, twists tighter. In some cases, it's harder to replicate. Um, you know, you age faster. I mean, there's just so many different implications for that. When when you're in this place of trying to step into a carefree life, um, and trust me when I say it's not lost on me how incredibly difficult that is. Um, I'm always trying to do that. I think that there are inherent stressors carried in my DNA that I can point and pinpoint not only to being, you know, half African, West Nigerian, but half Irish and carrying that church, uh, homelessness, poverty, all those things. So here I am in my life heading into the, the, the second half almost and looking at it and going, well, how the hell do you have a less stressed and more carefree life? Is there, are, are there some like in what I would call incredibly practical ways that you think that as trauma survivors, people can step into that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, so my big, my, I'm a bleeding heart. I am also very Irish, as you might be able to tell from the, the little ginger, my ginger hair and my very pale skin. Um, so, so the, uh, the, um, the idea is that that we can make these changes without my, my ideal is to make all of these changes kind of without medications or supplements or things that are not available to the populations that need help the most really. Um, so my, I have a bleeding heart and it started, um, you know, I have a bleeding heart for underserved populations. Uh, so it, it really came to my attention that while medical missions are amazing, I love, I love doing the, the medical work. Sometimes, you know, you'll give medications and um, they don't have follow-up. They don't have another doctor. They have no way to get the medication again. There's no ride. You know, this is what I also repeated, you know, when I was working on reservations here, you know, in our own country. You know, there, there are so many populations that just don't have a money to pay for it, which I don't think is, like, ridiculous. You know, I had a stroke and was furloughed from work and, and I couldn't afford therapy and stuff at that time. So, you know, and, and through medical school, I mean, I was on, you know, Medicare or sorry, Medicaid and all of that. So, so it's not absurd to think that literally any of us could at any point in our lives not have access to these things that cost so much money, including, you know, therapy and um, like I said, Western medicine, all of that. So 
I really, really, really have become interested, you know, in the last, it's probably been now 12 years since my medical, my first medical mission. I'm so interested in how can populations, um, what does the science say about how populations can optimize their own health without needing someone else's help, like basically without spending money. So, so there are a few things. So, so I don't know if you're familiar with neuroplasticity. Um, neuroplasticity is when we can create new neuron um, connections in our brain or, or new connections in our brain. Do you have trouble falling asleep at night because you have anxiety? I know that I do. And that's why I started using NW Recovery's Sleep Melatonin Formula with CBD. And it's a non-psychoactive CBD, which is really important to people like me who have anxiety and depression because sometimes THC can make you have panic attacks. And this doesn't. Not only is this formulation by NW Recovery made with melatonin, which helps you sleep, it has non-psychoactive CBD. So there's no THC in this product at all. I want you to check this out. If you've never used melatonin before, I have a tremendously difficult time sleeping. And when I started using the recovery sleep formulation, I sleep like a baby. So I want you to check out nw-recovery.com where you can use the keyword unbroken to save 20% on your first order. Again, that's nw-recovery.com and use the keyword unbroken to save 20%. And a lot of times this might happen with injuries. So for example, I had a stroke and um, I had the opportunity to kind of rebuild that. And actually when people exercise um, any kind of cardio, it increases their ability to kind of remodel their brain um, in that, that neuroplasticity. Um, and then there are other things, there are certain types of meditation and you can remodel your outlook. Basically, you know, you you have to do things that are gonna. I like the word potentiate, but basically, tell your brain we're changing now. Um, and then when you're doing those, you have to be very, very, very mindful that you are um, focusing on the way you want your outlook to become. So there's also there are a few. So as far as neuroplasticity, there's um, there's some medication like there's ketamine is. Um, by the way, I do not endorse using that off the street, but uh, please don't do that. It's very dangerous. But you can. But there are like infusion centers that are used and physicians overlook people who have PTSD and anxiety and depression and things like this to help them literally remodel their brain. Um, there's also, there was a Yale study recently that showed psilocybin. Um, that is the um, like active ingredient in magic mushrooms. Uh, again, exercise caution with this advice, but that does um, that does cause your brain to say we're remodeling you. Um, and then again, you know, there's different types of breathing, meditation exercises, and and things that um, the, there's med there's in meditation you can increase. There's there's a part of your brainstem that's gray matter that helps you. Um, when you do this meditation, it helps that area develop, and that area is uh, helpful in controlling emotions and making decisions in high-stress situations. So, you know, um, it's not like, well, my life sucked, and now I'm fucked forever. It's like, okay, look, the science is showing that you can remodel this, and you can fix it. And then you, if you change that, if you use your neuroplasticity to change your outlook, um, then your life starts feeling more carefree. You can see things. I can see my stroke as a detour to get to a place where um, where my life is going to be better instead of, oh, this was the worst thing ever. I hate, you know, I'm, I'm screwed forever. What if I have another one? What if I blah? I hate my life. You know, you have to actively choose that though. It is not, I mean, it is, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You have to choose that all the time. I think, you know, I mean, you talk about it all the time. You do everything. Every time you make that decision, but you can make that decision help remodel your brain by meditating, by exercising, and then knowing your brain is in remodel mode, so you're going to choose differently than before. And that's all free and accessible to everybody. 
Yeah. And, and that's such a great point. And it, so much of this does really start with the way that you're thinking, the way you're talking to yourself, the way that you're allowing yourself to be in the world. And, and I recognize it's difficult, right? Especially when you're inundated with the ideas that other people have put on you of who you are, or who you should be. And then you reiterate that into yourself and into the world. And then suddenly you look at your life and you're like, how the fuck did I get here? And it's mm -hmm. a trial by fire to pull yourself out. But, you know, you talk about one thing I think is really interesting that that I'd love for you to dive into. And, and I have gotten pushback on this. And so I will preface this that I, and I will say I have gotten, quote unquote, canceled because of saying this before. And this is the idea that anybody can be healthy if they're willing to do the work. And and I fully believe that I I'm not and, and look, I'm not smart. I'm not better than anyone. I don't have any college fucking degrees. Like I didn't even graduate high school on time. I've destroyed my life and built it back up. I believe that it takes the same amount of effort to build your life as it does to destroy your life. And, and I want to know your thoughts on this because I, I think that sometimes it helps to come from another voice. But why do you think that anyone can be healthy if they're willing to do the work? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, that is definitely I've gotten I don't. It's hard for doctors to get canceled, um, I think, because they need us so bad. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I, you know, I definitely, you know, I'm, I'm either essentially loved or hated by my patients. Um, more loved, thank goodness, and sometimes very much hated. And, you know, a lot of this is that, that same, you know, belief, you know, it, I just, I will tell people, you know, you can, you can get there. You can be healthy if you want to be. And I think that really for me, um, saying these things, I can back it up with the science. I mean, neuroplasticity, I just told you about, you can lower your blood pressure by meditating every day. Like that's a shown scientific study. You can lower your risk of heart attack and stroke by meditating. And there are certain types of meditation, and these are all studied. You know, you can, you can, um, your, you can, your blood sugar gets better when you meditate. You know, and and I get it. Everyone has a reason why they can't, or they're different, or they blah blah blah. But honestly, I've seen a lot of bodies. I treat a lot of patients. I did surgery, ER, and now I'm primary care. There is not, there's no, no body I have seen that I'm like, no, this wouldn't help them. Never, never, ever, ever have I seen them before. I don't care how sick you are. Um, you can improve by doing things, by especially changing your mindset. I mean, it's chronic pain, um, arthritis, you know, I can, I can literally name a hundred diseases that I've worked with and revert, well, maybe I can't name a hundred off the top of my head, but there are lots that I've worked with that I have gotten able to reverse at least in part. This is not, um, you know, some woo-woo, whatever. I mean, this is science and it's all, um, you know, again, it's, it's in my book. And uh, if anyone needs a book and they can't pay for it, please reach out to me. I'm happy to, um, we can figure something out. Can I send you one? But, um, you know, I, I wrote that book uh, I wasn't looking to be rich. I wasn't looking to like be super famous. Um, you know, I just, that is the book of all of the ways you can be healthy for free that I, that I knew at the time. I know more now too. So I would be shocked if I thought any patient that, that actually, again, hunkered down and worked with me, uh, that didn't have a reversal of their symptoms that's just I, can, I literally cannot think of any reason why that wouldn't happen and and you know we can work with it if you if you're busy single mom i get how that is um we can help you if you feel like you don't have the money that's why i did this for free accessible to anyone you can access it from anywhere um you know i have found ways i mean in the book i talk a lot about with you know this this patient, um, a bus driver, he works 12 hour shifts. He's like, I, I never have time to get up and walk. So we got this thing where he like got off the bus and did like 10 jumping jacks, you know, never stop. And, you know, it was, it was fun. And, you know, oh, I can't afford to eat healthy. Okay, we're going to do one cup of leafy greens, put that in a bag, make seven bags of those, you know, seven bags of spinach on Monday. And if you just end up 
putting it in your mouth and having to chew down the spinach like a rabbit, that's fine. That's how we're going to do it. In this case, blood pressure came down. Um, we reversed his hypertension and got him off of three medications. We got, uh, you know, his, he had a family history of diabetes, you know, which which is true, can, can be a precursor, but that doesn't mean you have to have it. We reversed his, um, I think he ended up, I think he was still on one medication. Um, but I mean, we took him off of two. That's five medications he didn't need anymore by making really easy lifestyle changes. And really just, it, I think it comes with citing the science and saying, look, here, here's the deal. This is what will happen. This is what will change in your body when you make these tiny changes. And again, this, this is not expensive. This is meant on purpose to be free changes. Yeah. What, what do you think? And, and for the sake of time, I, I won't keep you for too much longer, but you talk, and I, I love this, this topic here. And this is why I want to ask this question. You've talked about at length, um, emotional cognition. And I think about this idea about how we mirror each other, how our neurons mirror each other and how this, I, I think change is really, really difficult when you're around people who aren't also changing, what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, how do you navigate that knowing from a literal biological standpoint, like we reflect our environment? Yeah, uh, I think you mean emotional contagion. Um, yes, thank you. <laughs> no worries. Um, yeah, emotional contagion. So this was a, this is a phrase that's back in the 70s, I believe. And it was it came about before we really had a lot of science to back it up, but it kind of was, I think, an observed kind of um, more in the like psychological realm of observation. So it's like your boss is having a bad day, uh, and he comes in and he's angry, and even if he doesn't say anything, then all of a sudden the whole office is just, ugh, everyone's off and not, you know, whatever. So there are several different things that are seen with that um, I use myself you know I, I research all the things I'm telling you are not like I was taught this specific thing like I research at home my own individual way to come up with a solution to this because there's not already a solution in place if there was we wouldn't have a problem so um you know the 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 things I've seen that can cause issues and um you know I talk at a lot of physician burnout summits too because um, as you might know or not know Physicians actually have the highest suicide rate of any profession. Um, so more than one physician a day kills themselves. So I speak on these, these panels. And a lot of it is um, when, so we have a grouping of mirror neurons that uh, will reflect someone back to you. Uh, actually, you will, your brain will light up in a way that is as if you are doing the same thing this other person is doing. Um, so for example, there were monkeys and the one monkey would watch the other monkey eat and the same neurons would light up and he's watching and eat. Um, and then they found that the monkey could tell whether what, what the intention was basically. So if the monkey goes to grab a banana uh, and he decides to then throw it, the other monkey like could tell his intention that he was going to throw the banana and then the next banana he picks it up and opens it and then he decides to eat it and and these mirror neurons can reflect um you know what someone's intention is a lot of people say oh this explains telepathy and stuff it doesn't quite but it is helping us to understand how connected we are and all of those stressors and all of the stuff we kind of pick up from other people are again that it can raise our blood sugar, our blood pressure, all things that have migraines, headaches, constipation, not sleeping, insomnia. Like people don't realize we're not silos. There's also another thing called coherence. Um, we can detect our electro, our own electromagnetic fields outside of us. That's what an EKG is, is our own fields. And and these are actually found to be linked with emotion. And you can actually coordinate your electromagnetic field with someone within 18 inches of you. And, you know, so you really need to know how to, um, all of these things are happening whether you want it to or not. It's not like your conscious control. But you can really learn how to optimize these things. And that's true. You're going to be around a lot of people who are super grouchy. This is why it's really, really important for you to know how your own kind of, I guess, body or your energy, I guess, feels. However you want to say it that doesn't sound stigma in a way that you can, you know, absorb it, the information. 
you need to know how it feels to be in your own body without all these other people around so that when you're not around the grouchy people or the people who are not having a, such a good day, you're not just coordinating your body with theirs and just allowing yourself to be then in that mood forever and ever. You need to realize basically it's not yours. But yeah. it's a, it takes a lot of, it takes some practice. I'm happy to, I'm happy to teach anyone, but it takes some practice. Yeah, and, and I imagine that with emotional contagion, uh, that it's very much a, a practice of just awareness, right? That's what I hear, like, be aware, pay attention to yourself, maybe predicate this whole thing with a little bit of exercise, a little bit of meditation, a little bit of like getting your brain and your body connected. Because often, you know, especially if you've had severe trauma, you're going to be dissociated, you're going to be, you know, living life in la la land, which was my experience for a very long time. So there, there's practicality in this. Um, Rachel, this has been an absolutely amazing conversation. I'm sure we could go deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, but before I ask you my last question, can you tell everyone where they can find you? Oh, yeah, just racheltaylormd.com. And you can email me, go straight to my personal email. I'll get back to you right away. Uh, just go through the contact form. The, the booking stuff has been taken down temporarily. I'm, I am willing to work with people if they want to work with me, though. But the booking stuff was taken down when I had that little stroke um, because I was, uh, I, I needed time to heal myself. Like we were talking about, I needed time to not be hooked into other people's emotions. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get that. Trust me. Um, so that said, thank you so much for being here. My last question for you, my friend, is what does it mean to you to be unbroken? You know, for me, it really is that science of self-healing, what I was telling you, like all of this. Being unbroken is, is not even, it's not even that you were never broken. I think that people have that mistaken. When you cut yourself, you get a scar. The scar is stronger than regular skin. You're stronger. There's also a Japanese form of pottery where when the pottery breaks, they seal the cracks with gold to show like this pottery you know how beautiful the cracks how beautiful the, the the you know the flaws can be and i think that that really is unbroken to me is to be someone who's stronger someone who turns back and and gives a hand and says i've been there before let me help you out i think that's i think that's unbroken to me beautifully said, my friend. Thank you so much for being here. Unbroken Nation, thank you so much for listening. Please like, subscribe, comment, share, tell a friend. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see ya. Unbroken Nation, hope that you just got a tremendous amount of value from today's episode. I want to know what you think. Please do me a favor and review, rate, and share the episode with three friends on social media today. It would mean the world if you did, because ultimately at the end of the day, creating community and connection is how we heal generational trauma in the world. And I need your help to do that on Broken Nation. So if you're on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you are, please like, comment, share, review. I want to know not only what you like about the show, but how I can make the show better, how I can make this further about helping you on your healing journey. So do me a favor. And when you do shoot me a screenshot of you making the review to my DM at Michael Unbroken on Instagram so that I can have a conversation with you, say hi, and more importantly, so I can share it with the Unbroken Nation. Thank you so much, my friend. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. 
And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.